When Flight 716 disappears over the Atlantic Ocean, Kendra Malley of the TSIB is selected to lead the team investigating the crash. Still devastated by the recent death of her husband, Kendra isn't sure that she's up for the task. However, with the whole world watching, the team must race to find the missing aircraft and rescue possible survivors. You watched the first episode of Departure, which actually came out about a year ago. It was aired on a Canadian-British network. Oh. And it was picked up by NBC because of COVID. It's already, I think, in the production of its second season. Um, but what did you think? Uh, this felt like any kind of normal CSI and CIS type of show, except the difference is it just follows one case. In this case, it's the uh, missing airplane. I've read some reviews that speculate that this could have been a movie as opposed to a miniseries. I mean, there are a lot of characters in this show, so I think that it would probably benefit greater as a TV series than a movie, just because, you know, you have to hit them on every single one. Yeah, and it does seem like a lot of characters, especially for a six-episode show. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that they introduced too many? Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit. Like, there's a, a ton of characters that are just introduced, and then they're like, they're the tech guy, and then they end up doing their special skill, and then all this stuff, and, uh, as well as trying to give background character to the main character, Kendra. There's not a lot written about the show online, so I think the reason Peacock picked it up and is presenting it as a first season, kind of like how CBS picked up Tell Me a Story or other things that they've been working on and only producing online, um, is that they know not a lot of people have seen it. It's bound to be ranged by a whole different audience right now. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about who's in the show. You have Archie Punjabi, and she has gained notoriety for her role in The Good Wife. She won a Primetime Emmy for that role and is currently the only Asian actor to ever win a Primetime Emmy for acting. Okay. That's pretty crazy if you think about it. Yeah. So she was given the head to this show where she plays Kendra Malley, aviation investigator of Down Jetliner. Um, She's called into work by Christopher Plummer. Right. And Christopher Plummer plays Howard. He's kind of like the person that, like, groups up everybody. Like, he's the main person. He works for a fictional organization called the Transportation Safety and Investigations Bureau, which the TSIB, like I said before. Um, Christopher Plummer himself is 90 years old. And apparently this role was supposed to go to Kevin Spacey. And they had to recap it. (laughs) No. Christopher Plummer, who I think we latest saw him in Knives Out. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was also in All the Money in the World, obviously. And uh, he's just been around forever uh, in theater and such. Apparently he's Canadian. I didn't know that. And uh, It was weird to have such like a big-name actor among people that I really didn't recognize in the show. Well, actually, I mean, Punjabi's got a background. She's got that Emmy. And then you have Chris Holden Reed, who plays her partner, former cop, yeah, right. uh, Dom, Dominic Hayes. Dominic Hayes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's from Lost Girl, and he plays a very similar character in Lost Girl. He plays a detective of some sort, and he's kind of the side, uh, not the Robin to the Batman character in right. Lost Girl. And, but and, he's, and he's part of a bigger group uh, with someone named Nadia and Levi, uh, and Kendra's kind of manning that group. And you didn't recognize Levi from anywhere? He's he's pretty famous from Spartacus, his no. role in Spartacus, and he's also been in 300, where he plays a very similar <laughs> character. He's the guy who gets kicked, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah this is Sparta, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Claire Forlani, who plays Janet, Tamara Duarte, who plays Nadia, as you said, Duar- Dougery Star- Scott, who plays like an um, arrogant airline CEO, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Okay. So give me a quick synopsis. 
You got a plane in the air, right? Yeah. I hear the first 10 minutes are, are the craziest part of this. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the first 10 minutes got me pretty intrigued because, you know, you see all these people going onto this airplane. And the main person that you follow is uh, Mal and Strong. And she is hailing a taxi. That's the first thing we see from her. Uh, she's able to get on the flight. And then, like, we kind of just get, like, a quick glance at all the other uh, people on board. And so then, it's, like, lost, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Because then, because then it gets into this crazy, like, scene where once they're actually off the ground, uh, this big rupture in the plane ends up happening. And apparently the way they filmed that was, it was obviously in a studio where they had a green screen and stuff. But the rattling and stuff like this, like, the director was a stuntman. So he was really into getting the cast to feel at least a little bit uncomfortable when they were on the plane. Yeah, and literally, like, the last thing we see before it cuts to the intro is Madeline, like, holding on to a seatbelt. Like, because she was staying in one of the nurses' stations because she was up at the time of the rupture happened. So she, like, sat in one of the nurses' chairs and then she grabbed onto a seatbelt trying to not get sucked out of the rupture. It's interesting that they show you what happens that early because it's supposed to be about a disappearance of a jetliner. So I thought maybe that they kept you in the dark whether well, they, or not they, they actually cut. crashed or not. Yeah, they cut in the middle. Like, you don't see the plane actually crash. Yeah. Uh-huh. They do say that it's been inspired by the Malaysia Airlines flight mm-hmm. 370, which was a real airline crash. The black box disappeared. And then also other airline crashes, like the one where the lady got sucked out of the um, uh, suction like the, the, there was a breach in like one of the windows or something yeah. and that was in the last few years too so they are i think drawing upon real events which is weird for like a i guess it's like law and yeah. order where they tar- try to take real things and put it into yeah, fictional it, context especially here because they have um like news reports they say that flight 716 could be the worst aviation disaster in uk history that's what one of the reporters says in the episode so yeah did it remind you of any other tv shows besides the ones we've already brought up because i have a list here of ones that people were well i I saw, i've seen the very ending of scorpion before and it did remind me of that just because of the airplane and like the chase sequence that they had really it was that like made well, up. i mean it, it wasn't that cheesy but it just kind of reminded me of that because it was a crime show basically all right well she has a kid right yeah okay what do you think of the kid well his name is aj and i found him annoying because he does some stuff that's just like i couldn't believe like he brings home his girlfriend like from a flight because he's going home and then like what do you mean he's going home like he's going home because he was visiting his aunt at the beginning of the episode okay but then when he comes home like the girlfriend is just going to stay with them and then the mom who like a squatter yeah, basically. And then, like, Kendra's like, who is this girl? And then AJ's like, I don't have to explain myself to you. And then, like, goes to his room. And- I've, I've heard people compare it to 24, where you've got Kim's storyline, mm-hmm. where people say, especially in, like, the second season, it didn't make a lot of sense. Kind because, of unneeded, yeah. Well, when you're saving the world on one hand, and then your kid is dividing your attention on the other, it, it's, I can see the similarities between the two. I also saw it compared to the bodyguard, um, and then a bunch of flight shows like Manifest just came out on NBC. That was about a commercial airline that reappears after five years. Yeah, that reminded me of that too. Well, yeah, but that one was a supernatural thing. And I don't think this one has any... Yeah, there's no supernatural elements to it. Any mystical uh, fortune or anything around, around it. Um, you also have Lost, obviously, Flight 815. And then Into the Night, which I think was on Netflix. And that's about the sun starting to kill everyone. Uh, and then this whole plane of passengers has to travel around the earth a bunch <laughs> of times to try to avoid the sun, which I, I don't know what the logic is behind that. Yeah. It doesn't sound very scientific. And, and the weird sound. thing was also like a lot of shows start off their, their thing with a plane crash. Like I know Fringe started off with a plane crash. Like you mentioned, Lost did, this did. Like it seemed 
seems to be like a popular trope. In fact, I think like the one Michael Chiklis show, the like All in the Family show or whatever that came out a couple years ago, they got their powers from a plane crash. Yeah, I know they did the same thing in Fringe. They did it in an in a in an Office episode. No, in a House episode. They also did it in Twenty Four. They did the yeah. the flight one. That's why in two thousand one the show was like delayed. I think they took that scene out of the pilot. And then uh, there was the ticking clock thing that they do in 24. I think they did that in Departure as well. Yeah, they have like a four-hour clock in there. Like, this is the amount of time people will live uh, until hypothermia kicks in because they know that the plane, like, would crash in the ocean. Yeah, and that's a real thing because I remember even in 1999 when I think JFK's kid was was in the ocean and everybody was, like, looking for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said the same thing about the hypothermia setting in. And by the end of the episode, it runs out. And then with, like, the Hudson River thing, Sully Solenberger, uh, when they landed there, everybody was like, we got to get them out of there before it gets too cold. Yeah. Um, yeah, hypothermia is some serious business. Uh, it's funny how AJ, uh, the name AJ, is also the name of Archer's kid. Um, so like we've done two shows in the last like three that have the same uh, name, yeah. the same son's name. Uh, and then this is more like a who done it though, right? Because there's a mystery behind this. It's not as simple as a mechanical error. Right. They realized that the episode that someone probably caused that rupture. And whether it be a terrorist group or if it's some sort of like infiltration of what? Yeah. I know that they were looking into one person named Alnaba Harib. He was an ISIS offshoot, as Levi put it. And uh, that's someone that they were wondering who could possibly have done the rupture. They were also like looking at other terrorist groups that had taken responsibility for the plane ride as well. I mean, um, if they took responsibility for it you can think that it's them right yeah but they were also like they might just be taking responsibility for it kind just of like for the notoriety yeah i also got the impression from reading that it was like bodyguard where there was a question whether or not they could even trust the people there around like part of the reason why christopher Plummer's character even hired kendra was because he didn't know if the agency could handle like she was the best of the best even though she was dealing with her own trauma mm-hmm. with her husband's death um and like the team they put together they seem pretty trustworthy right yeah, I mean, I had a question about Dominic Hayes because he seemed like he was like had a little bit of an evil side to him. But like Levi and Nadia, yeah, they seemed like they were more like the comic relief kind of. Okay, but so you didn't find anybody that was like, okay, they could actually be a part of this. No, not really. Then what were some of the other theories presented as to what could have happened to this plane? Well, we learned that Richard Donovan, who was the pilot of the plane, um, had a wife because he was living a double life. He had a wife and then he also had a husband whose name was Mr. Kulahar, I think, and uh, they don't know exactly what was happening because they knock on Mr. Kulahar's door and he's like, where's my husband, uh, Richard Donovan, when they go to interview him. Okay, and then something about this character is that he, like, closed off the door before um from the co-pilot yeah okay so that would be like that other crash that happened where the person committed suicide yeah. and yeah. that's what they were assuming this was yeah that's that's kind of what i was like uh reminded of and there was uh, 256 people on board so i should say but it ends with them being like there was one person who survived and you kind of hear breaths and i'm pretty did sure you, that's did maddie you, yeah we're, it is maddie you but, see a pov shot and so you don't exactly know who it is like they don't zoom in on her but like you see from the waves it's very early into episode two where you find out that it's maddie and then does that really feel like a surprise given that she was the one that you were following from the beginning no yeah i, I kind of felt the same way i was like i'm not really sure she's dead because i guess it spent so much time on her screen character okay well did they show anybody else on the flight like in lost i know they tried to give everybody a deep background and because the cast is so large like was 
were you feeling sad when you found out that most of the people had died? Uh, at some point, but they did the thing that kind of, uh, it's either CSI, I think, does, where it's, like, right before they go to a commercial break, they, like, show pictures of, like, gray, and they show, like, the the people on the plane, so I found that a little, like, hokey. So did it feel like more gripping conspiracy when it did that, or more contrived and convoluted? A little bit contrived and convoluted. That's also, someone that we see at the very beginning of the episode, uh, Hassan Ismali, is on the watch list, and he's been trained as a pilot, and uh, supposedly we see his character like at the beginning, so we think that he also has something to do with it. Yeah, well, a lot of people were criticizing the idea of another, like, two, like in the 2000s, the early 2000s, right. we yeah. had a lot of, like, Middle Eastern guy was the bad guy. Yeah. And so, like, putting another one of those just, like, yeah, if it, yeah, if, in there as if, like, okay, this is just a possibility when probably not going to be the... Yeah, exactly. Scenario. And it, it felt a little awkward. Yeah. Um, and then some of the reviews also said, just enough enticing elements to pique curiosity, but lacking the execution needed to actually be good. Um, another one said, personal storylines are awkwardly integrated. Um, well, and when you have six episodes, I don't know how you can get too personal with too many characters. Yeah, and also the thing is, is that like with such stuff, I know I bring it up a lot, but like NCIS, with one episode, it's like okay, you're done, and then you understand it all. I'm glad that they were like, okay, we want to make a case and really make it flesh out. But I guess feel like they could have done it in a better way if they had, I guess, more interesting characters or more of an interesting plot or something. I haven't like heard that. a lot of people go after the characters themselves. And um, they just felt like kind of carbon copies, like AJ, for example. Just felt like the NXT team, Kendra's yeah, kind of no, the moral. There weren't a lot of people who liked AJ's character. And then also, like, I've heard it compared to Homeland, though, where you have kind of the older boss who's, like, watching over. Um, so, for instance, Carrie and, uh, and Mandy Patinkin's yeah, I character. Yeah, I can see that comparison, yeah. Yeah, um, and then something else I wanted to point out was the uh, show was created by this guy named Vince Shio. And he hasn't done too many shows before this, so it's kind of interesting that he got a full show to create. Mm-hmm. But the real funny person i think that people should pay attention to is the director this guy named tj scott he's done a ton of stuff but one of the things that he does with a lot of the actors that he worked with i said he was a stunt performer beforehand but he also does photography and he releases these photography books um and (laughs) they have the most ridiculous names but he pulls in people that he works with so he like shoots them on film and then he's like hey do you want to go do a shoot somewhere else <laughs> like in the most creepy manner but he sells them and they sell for a lot of money there i'll give you three scenarios of what they're called all right ready all right. one scenario is in the tub <laughs> and so just imagine it's a bunch of people just in a tub uh the second like individually right and then the second one's looking sour in the shower <laughs> So it's just everybody looking very sad in the shower. And then the third one is just called Cannonball. And what would Cannonball be? Whatever you want it to be. But one of those is the actual book that he sells. And he's actually on, like, the third copy of it. Like, the third publication, Oh, so there's been more than one. Yeah, and I'll tell you just right off the bat that one of the characters... That at least one of the characters from this has done it. Okay. And and it wasn't... um, Christopher Plummer. Yeah, it wasn't Christopher Plummer. <laughs> I'm gonna go with sour in the shower. No, it's actually in the tub. Yeah, that was my. I was gonna yeah, go with that it's first. The most yeah. basic one, but at the same time, it's so weird because it's just a bunch of uh, yeah. I don't know actors how that and actresses. Would be interesting, just, yeah. Well, it's kind of. It started, I think, with the Spartacus show, which he was a part of, and he got people from that to do it. Yeah, but they're really weird pictures where like people are just coming out of the tub <laughs> with like a ton of like smoke around them. They're trying to look all cool, and it's it's just it's kind of funny. Who was the one that was in the tub then? Uh, that was like Chris Holden Reed. 
they're, they're mostly girls, but then he does do some of the guys that were in it. Like the guy from Spartacus was in it. The, not the original, but the second one. And uh, yeah. I just, how, how much did they sell for, did they say? I don't know. I just looked up images to see if they were actually what I thought like it sounded like it was. Yeah. And it basically was. It's just dumb. Like <laughs> nothing, I think, from the waist yeah. down or anything. But yeah. Um, and then also, did you know the character, the tech guy? What did you think of him? Oh, we didn't see a lot of them, and I felt like he was just kind of like the, I'm into the inner base type of, you know, tech guy that's like... he's His name is Theo in the show, his name is Mark Rendell in real life, and he's the person who voiced Arthur, so I found oh, that okay, pretty yeah, cool. That, <laughs> yeah, also, Arthur's a Canadian TV show? Yeah, you didn't know that. I even knew that. It's Canadian? That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> when did Arthur, like, leave the U.S.? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Why did he leave the U.S.? I just remember reading it somewhere, but um, one of the things I found weird that the show did was they focused on pings, which were like little red dots when they were looking at like where the place could have landed that signified where like people radar were. radar type, like black box, they're just trying yeah. to find the plane. Yeah, yeah, basically, and kind of throughout the episode, you saw these pings just kind of go away, so I thought that was kind of cool and a little bit eerie. Yeah, and you never get to actually see the plane on the ground or anything. Right? Yeah, no. Like, yeah. or in the ocean. No, in fact, when you see, you just see the waves. That's yeah, because, and I remember season six of Lost, spoilers for this, um, they do get that weird island in the other dimension. Oh, yeah, the, like, side where they dimension. Show, where they show the crashed plane underwater. Yeah, that was yeah. the beginning scene, I think, yeah. Uh-huh, and so that's what, like, if this was to... So what do you think a second season's gonna be about? Because I do the, know... Is but, it confirmed? Yeah, second season's confirmed. They're they're doing it, and I can tell you right now that um, both the main characters survive. So uh, Christopher Plummer and Archie Punjabi are gonna be in the second season. I'm just gonna... Uh, does it deal with a train crash? <laughs> that's, a, that's my guess. Um, that's a really good guess. <laughs> I want, okay, yeah, I wasn't going to spoil it, but yeah, that's a really good guess. How funny would it be, though, if they put Madeline on that train? And <laughs> just keep on playing her. Yeah, it just ends up following true. Madeline's character. Like, in 24, they'd always have that one character who was in every season. Yeah. And then by the end, they actually gave him a big character arc because they were like, yeah, well, he's been in every season. Yeah. He was the security guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, like, with Madeline, it would just be, like, her roles ever increasing until she finally joins the team. And then in, like, season five, <laughs> she has to leave because she becomes slightly famous and wants to go do a role in Hollywood. Well, the reason that I guessed the train thing was because I was like, it's probably going to have to do with some like disaster that's like automobile wise so i was like okay train's probably closest to plane mm -hmm. so. um and then i just wanted to point out because they're doing their covid like most of the role scenes are being shot in their homes now apparently oh, okay. um christopher Plummer is having his his scenes shot from his house and apparently he's an avid tennis fan and that just seems funny to me like, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. It's not something I would guess. It's so if you're ever on trivia, like on a Jeopardy game, you just know that Christopher, <laughs> Christopher Plummer, is a, Plummer blah, blah. Yeah, attended the last Wimbledon and <laughs> he actually played in it. He says uh, also in an interview I read that he still feels like he's 60 years old, which apparently is very young and spry. So he's like continuing in his work. However, some of the reviews say that this role feels as if he's sort of like slumming it because he's just like... Well, yeah, again, he's just kind of the person that brings everyone together. He's like Samuel Jackson, but not as cool in like the Avengers. Um, yeah, well, he hasn't been in a TV show for 30 years, but because everybody's doing TV now and because I guess it's just a growing medium where it wasn't before, uh, he, he's just into it. 
Yeah, and if you look at such shows like True Detective, which had, like, Colin Farrell, and I know Vince Vaughn, and, like, Matthew McConaughey, or, like, any other show, a lot of big movie actors are starting to do TV show now, kind of yeah, cable Yeah, more based. Matthew McConaughey, because Colin Farrell was in Scrubs, I remember that. Yeah, that, that's been strange. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Ryan Reynolds was also in Scrubs, and that was, like, it's weird how these people's careers take yeah, off Yeah, you sometimes afterwards. just see them But now beforehand. it's, like famous people in tvs coming back to movies but it's part primarily because of the streaming services and how apple like pulls in a bunch of like chris evans was never in tv shows right, before yeah. killing not killing eve whatever that other one is saving jacob yeah killing eve <laughs> saving jacob same difference and then you have peacock which picks up a show like this they already have brave new world they have the david schwimmer show and you can see that they're kind of trying to figure out where their base uh, viewership is going to come from. You can see that CBS All Access already did that. Hulu for a while was doing the same thing. Netflix really kicked it off 10 years ago when it, it started to come out with their TV shows. But I remember before House of Cards, they actually came out, came out with a few other ones that have since been like deleted from Netflix. There was a comedy that I, I just vaguely remember uh, that it had to do with these misfits who were like criminals and uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah I don't think you can even access it anymore I mean but the idea is like with NBC's first round of the streaming thing was was it wasn't Peacock it was CISO mm -hmm. and these those were like destined to fail and so I guess with during this COVID thing it gives them another chance to bring in shows from other areas and be like hey does this work does this work and just throw it at the wall until something sticks I know that like other companies such as Quibi are kind of like on that CISO route where it's they're like they're the kind of dropping right yeah yeah because Quibi I don't think it's out like it, it hasn't said it's bankrupt or anything and I mean it still stands a chance but it just needs to appeal to a niche they yeah. spent so much money per minute for their like six minute Insane. episodes yeah and you said the content wasn't too bad or anything but it's like when people are producing small videos on youtube or uh so many kids are watching videos just on tiktok right. it doesn't seem like all that content should be that expensive and to I, make. yeah i think if you're going to be making like an expensive content it should like last around 40 minutes or like be an actual show you know no one i think really wants to see like a full show that's just six minutes long yeah that's been sort of our rant on this uh, on on the platforms but getting back to this tv show you're you're kind of hinting at the idea that it comes across a little formulaic a little procedural yeah. and although the original premise of like a plane taking off and then just disappearing sounds super intense and and curious mm -hmm. like you, the, your curiosity gets the better of you when you watch it it's just a lot of drama structured through the background of these agencies trying to figure out what's going on. Like there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of just character development through them having kind of West Wing type dialogue. Yeah. As opposed to you getting any sort of action of like, oh, what what could it possibly have happened to this plane? Yeah, like after the first 10 minutes, all you really get is like them knocking on doors and kind of interviewing people. Yeah. That's not that interesting. Well, yeah, if, especially when you're like looking for, like don't sell the show as some action packed like, oh, disappearance right, thing. Yeah. If all you're going to have is back to just the routine yeah <laughs> uh we'd like to speak to you for a few minutes and uh what do you know about you... this for yeah. yeah it's the old law and order joke um yeah so i think that's basically covered everything about the pilot and uh it's only six episodes so if you find that you want something in the background then go ahead and turn it on but otherwise it's not something that you have to watch that's yeah where we're coming from yeah basically all right well that was our review thank you for listening we'll see you next time bye bye, bye.